Chad, do you know what today is? It is uh, May 10th. This is my YouTube anniversary. Congratulations. May 10, 2008, so 15 years. Wow, you're gonna have yeah. to update the logo with like an updated 15 year anniversary logo. <laughs> I don't know what that would look like, but. Self-congratulatory. I, I, I'm actually writing up a script that I had mentioned to you before of what I've learned over 15 years on YouTube. And so I'm trying to, I'm trying to get that video out here soon. And isn't it crazy what like YouTube is like 15 years later? Here's the funny thing is I, I don't remember a lot of milestones when they happen. So as I'm writing up this script, I was thinking, when did I hit a thousand subscribers? I really can't remember. So I looked on YouTube analytics and YouTube analytics doesn't even start until like 20, late 2009 or 10 or something. Yeah. So you, you don't even, I couldn't even tell from that. So I did the Wayback Machine. And I could see some of my earliest YouTube home pages, you know, because you could customize them and everything. And so it, I, the first one they recorded was in May or no, June of 2009. So this was a year after I joined YouTube and I had 186 subscribers in wow. a year. And I had posted like 53 videos. 186 subscribers <laughs> and that was at a time where you would tell someone that you have 186 subscribers and they would just be like 186 people yeah. watch this i don't remember being disappointed or anything i was like oh this is cool i can't believe 100 over 100 people subscribing to this and then it was the next year the next way back snapshot was in june and it showed 1200 subscribers so within that between 2009 and 2010, something happened to get people a little more interested in my stuff. I think it's because I focused. I think that's when I stopped doing all the mishmash of videos, the roller coaster videos and the family videos and all this other stuff. That, that could very well be. And is it, isn't it funny that uh, it, it started 15 years ago with like completely different intentions and now you find yourself in... I mean, I know we'll probably get into AI and stuff like that, but like being in a spot now where it's like the content that got you here can just like be created in five seconds by a computer now. Yeah. <laughs> and there's kind of no going back to that. One of the things I was trying to reflect on while I'm writing this was kind of the feeling of YouTube back in those days. And I, I think that I remember looking at the homepage, because I remember watching YouTube as early as 2006 and seven and, and kind of being keyed into just watching crazy videos people would, would post. But I remember starting to see these channels emerge, you know, the general marbles and Freddie Wong. Remember Freddie Wong did, I did Rocket Jump, amazing videos and Mystery Guitar Man and uh, Ryan Higa. Those videos were so funny. And, but I remember that there was like this feeling of like, it was an underground movement. It was very consciously anti-mainstream media. You know, it was like a bunch of people like, we're just experimenting with this cool platform. We just post whatever we want on it. And it was almost like something that we knew about. And that was the best thing because it wasn't the alternative to media. It's like everybody just kind of, for the first time, I was like, oh, wow, I can just like upload a video and then share. And you can other people broadcast can, yourself. I can broadcast yourself. <laughs> it's very true. I'm actually taking a look at your some of your, your earlier. The way back. 
Oh, oh those are bad. Those when you could. I'm kind of glad you can't really customize your <laughs> your homepage anymore. They were and, pretty hideous. And we have been down this road before, and we've talked about this before uh, on the very one of the very earliest episodes of this podcast but i remember the sawdust one that you had you you did some, yeah. some very good work with your with your repeating background steve ramsey <laughs> well there was also a time when that was when facebook was really kind of a thing and important and growing and the buzz was around facebook at that time and so i had a facebook page and every Sunday, I would update the banner on that thing and I would put in a, a like a hidden logo in there and then people loved that every Sunday They would try to find where my hidden logo is it would be the background of the picture or kind of written in sawdust or, or whatever Imagine imagine taking that much time to put something into a video and caring about it and crafting it in such a way that you would put some love into it Steve remember remember those days Oh man, How's your week been? Uh, it's been incredibly good because uh, as I have been continuing on this journey of more, um, I've discovered tr true Chad. I used to call him selfish Chad, but selfish, I think, is, is not the right word. It, this is true Chad. This is Chad that puts Chad before everything else and realizing that the, the Chad that didn't kind of manage that or was aware of that kind of stuff easily would just fall into like, what can I do for other people? Or like, what's the most immediate thing that I can busy myself with and da da da. So now having a new focus of like between 10 and four, I work on the stuff which is defined as clean my space and that work stuff. The media stuff. And then as soon as four o'clock rolls around, man, it's such a fulfilling, just like, boop, done. Just like, just, I turn it off and not like that fake turn it off that I used to talk about mm -hmm. a while ago where I'd be like, yeah, I, I turned it. I didn't worry about it for all of dinner time. And then as soon as Riley was in bed, I ran back to the computer and did three hours of proactive work that didn't necessarily need to be done. And now that I look at an evening as like, oh, now Riley's in bed. Now I can paint or go outside yeah. or just literally just do something else. And it's not always like something to replace doing work. It's a, it's a weird uh, pressure off of my shoulders. Do you feel like you're accomplishing more or do you feel like you just have a sense that you're accomplishing more? Or how, how does that feel? I feel like I can uh, feel like I accomplish more by actually accomplishing less and having... Intentionally. Um, yeah. And simpler expectations for what an accomplishment is. Like actually, you know, uh, uh, mowing the lawn and being like, yay, that hour in my case was well spent mowing the lawn something that had to be done i did it and it's very very easy to slip into like oh it needs to be done and i did it and you don't acknowledge that you took some time to do that and that time was spent doing that as opposed to that was time that was taken away from something else and that's where my head always was it was like the mowing the lawn would be like oh i gotta do this as quickly as possible so i can get back to the quote-unquote important stuff or i guess the stuff that provides and for me it's not selfish money like accumulating more money for myself it was starting to be like the other people involved like making sure that the people who rely mm -hmm. upon us to make money and all of the rest like they're taken care of and that this kind of continue this can continue on and that is just such an all-encompassing it's a lot of like, pressure it is and i work with my wife too and she's you know She's she, we're sick of like, I mean, you get to yeah. that point, like we know exactly what we do and, and we, we do it very, very well. But how tough. has that been over the years? Where I mean, by now, you obviously have a system in place, but how, how would, 
what are your thoughts on working with a spouse? And, and do you kind of delineate that from the rest of your life? Do you guys approach each other like during work times as like professionals or <laughs> I don't, I can't imagine how, how to work with my wife. You can't, you really can't. Uh, like pre-COVID, it was like, hey, look at us doing this. But what we were doing wasn't so much like a going to an office or a store and opening it up and like doing that work every single day. We were just kind of waking up and being like, what else can we throw it into the world that is going to generate more attention or what? So again, like we've discussed, like there was no kind of shape to knowing how to like, how do you build a business plan or trajectory off of like something that you don't even know how it's happened in the first place. So we were just kind of along for the ride and then enter 2020 where we're literally on top of each other. We can't get away from each other now. Now there's not even that like feeling of whatever. Plus there's the near-death experience of COVID and all of the pressures and anxieties that came with that and being locked away from your families and having any of that. And that just amplified everything by a thousand times. And it is now just kind of recently, as I've talked about on the podcast and all the rest, that this is becoming way more evident than it ever was. Like pre-2020, it was easy to just be like, yeah, we work so hard and we hustle, but look, we're together, we're happy, we make a lot of money, we're, we're successful in, in all of the things. But then we were just on top of each other and there was no getting away from each other. And, and I know I drove most crazy and vice versa and all of the rest. So it gets to that point where it's like, now we need definite, separation in like our lives so i need hours that i put onto the work because after those hours i need to be chad which is a husband and a dad and not right. chad who is playing the part of a husband and a dad but it like his head's secretly on this larger... and how does that manifest itself during your working hours together do you guys I mean, just like kid around as husband and wife or, or during those hours, are you like, this is like a business relationship now and we're going to really act very businessy and say things like, you know, management terms. Yes. <laughs> yes. Where's that report, Melissa? Yeah. Uh, Melissa's a lot better at it than I was. I just fell into that. ADH lifestyle of just loving everything, just being kind of random and impulsive and all of the rest. It, drove Melissa crazy. Uh, and now it's at the point where uh, we just intentionally uh, work in separate spaces and whatnot, and also intentionally work with different people in the company. So we're not always working together. We had an issue right. where everything just starts to become a whatever, and no one really has any defined anything. So we've been trying to have it so that things can happen in our businesses, because we actually own like three of them, and, yeah. and we also own some investments and in real estate and like all of the rest. So like there's just a whole bunch of things that we need to manage. And sometimes it's nicer to not always have to go to each other to manage. And I will firmly say at this point with new information, I could not imagine working in this same way, unless it was like what we did, which was building a YouTube channel and mm -hmm. turning that into a business, like our trajectory kind of worked, but it's such, it, it wouldn't have worked any other way because like thankfully we had some success along the way that allowed us to like keep going otherwise we would have just completely burnt out years and years and years ago yeah yeah that's it's a really interesting story it's pretty inspiring to know that that can be done um in a way and it seems like it it probably took you a while to 
massive amounts of therapy we've been we got we go to we go to couples therapy we go to individual therapy we do our best to talk about it and we are now at a point where we understand what used to work quite like we were talking about earlier with just youtube in general that used to work like that could have worked before that does not work anymore so we are now working on making life be different than the mindset that got us in this place in the first place if that makes sense yeah i mean plus it helps that you have the corner office and that she can come up and knock on the door mr reynolds mr reynolds yeah i asked her to say mr reynolds she (laughs) she doesn't like that (laughs) (laughs) but i mean you would probably notice in like your own way, the way that you approach your work or you whatever, because even though it is just you and you don't have that other person, um, it just, it, 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 it like changes your identity almost like yeah. as what you look at, what you do and how you do it. The, the strange thing about the way my wife and I work is we work a lot of the time side by side because we have, we share an office space and her computer, which she's at all day long, she is a property manager and she's always, you know, putting out fires metaphorically, sometimes literally in these places that she manages, she manages like bank buildings in San Francisco. She has to leave the office for that part though, right? Occasionally she'll have to leave, but most of the time she works from home. And so my desk is, basically five feet away, both like side by side. And it's just kind of interesting how I know when she's like really involved in something that that has to be, this is like work time. I'm not going to bring up stuff around the house. I'm not going to say, oh, look, the cat's doing something <laughs> cute. You know, it's, and I think we've sort of, without talking about it, we've worked out a system that works that way, even, to, even though the work we do is independent of each other because we're in the same space it's really important that we kind of have those boundaries and you are both doing completely different things and dealing with different people and it just doesn't overlap and then we i mean we just got to the point where and again now that my eyes have been open to this over over the last little while like every single like how are you supposed to have the separate conversation when every single conversation everything else like is so intertwined and intermingled that it's hard to like Stop right. the conversation about like the most recent video that we uploaded and talk about like a thing that Riley needs. Does she, does Melissa, is she on like the same schedule now as you? Like the day ends at four or No, five? no, she has, I mean, Melissa does so many different things where like her yeah. schedule can be like waking up and going on TV one day and then waking up and doing like she really, does, and again, operating multiple businesses. So she does the best that she can. She's, she has a much better, uh, control over her her separation that has always been me blurring the lines between you know like just ah always working or always thinking about this kind of stuff and wanting to do it um so she 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 has kind of more uh, boundaries towards that but in general we both need to work on just establishing that time we just it was never a conversation before obviously riley came about and then when riley came about there was so many other things going on that you never get down to the conversation of like how are we going to segment off a little bit of our time so we can interact and be around one another and it's just not always being this same like and it's i think it's important also that couples have time 
to themselves Separate. individually or with their friends Separate. or like right, whatever. Exactly. I think it's super important that you're not just joined at the hip all the time. I think for me, it's just, it's so important to just get out and go to the gym and be with some friends at the climbing gym yeah. or, you know, whatever I, I'm doing. And she does the same thing on weekends. She'll go out, you know, with her, her knitting friends mm -hmm. or <laughs> go shopping or whatever. And it's, I think it's good that we don't get involved in each other's business that way. It's not like we don't do things together, but we really do have a lot of separation. And when you see the value that you get from the separation, they say um, distance makes the heart grow fonder or whatever that um, yeah. uh, saying is. And it, and it is very true because you just realize that you're not always like just running through the motions of conversation because you kind of know everything that's going. You actually have stuff to talk about because it's like, hey, I when I was out, there were these things and this thing happened and da, da, da. And all of a sudden you're having a really nice, natural, normal right. person conversation as opposed to just everything getting to the yeah, point it's where true. it's like, Especially when you've been to, I mean, we've been married for 35 years now. So it's we just pretty much know how the other person ticks, you know, it's just one of those things where you're just like, this is, I know exactly how she's going to respond to any given yeah. situation pretty much. Has it always been that predictable or was yeah, there? I guess it just kind of, it, it has grown over the years that way. But I think we used to spend way more time together, probably too much in a way. We probably needed more separation, but now I think it's a good balance yeah and and we're taking some trips my trip to vidcon is it's just me going yeah. melissa's staying back melissa has a trip actually next week to um somewhere in the states for business which she's doing by herself then she's yeah. also going on a trip with a friend which is a separate so we're doing our best to also add those into the mix deliberate time yeah away. that's when i go to conferences or whatever it's always been just me for one thing i she would not have any interest yeah. in doing something like vidcon yeah there's just no way she wouldn't have a clue of anything that's going on there. <laughs> and I mean, that, it's just not her thing. And that's <laughs> it. All of our stuff was all of our stuff. So all it's of all our together, interests were the yeah. same interests. So it's very easy to see how all of those same interests become now the points of, an, not animosity, but like the points of like, oh, this is like, I want something outside of this. I want some, some. I want true Chad, the Chad that just listens to what, and not yeah. having to feel like, uh, you know, yeah. Well, you know, sometimes you just got to say, fuck cupcakes. Sometimes. <laughs> and you got, you and that'd be super random shirt. for people just listening. <laughs> people listening are like, we don't do a video from? podcast. So you're wearing a, a t-shirt that just says, fuck, fuck cupcakes. cupcakes. Well, it says <laughs> F and then there's a cupcake and then CK. Oh, yeah, the, the U, it's like the... It's yeah, cleverly U. hidden. Um, mm -hmm. I was <laughs> not so clever in New York. Actually, it was when we were at uh, Brandcast in uh, 2013 and we were in New York and we were walking around and there was like this little store and it had the coolest t-shirts I have ever seen. And this was one, it was at a time that I was, um, does it mean anything? Or okay. Just so this was at the time. I don't know if you remember when like cupcakes became a thing, like yeah, literally there were stores. shops, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because like, it came right at the right time. Cupcakes, $12 right. for a cupcake. And massive, the size of a small <laughs> cake. Like they, yeah, they yeah, took, we still have those. Right. And yeah. piles of icing, like literally a, a like a, it's, it's like a 2000 calorie right. cupcake. Uh, a, 
thing for four people. You could cut it into fours and everybody <laughs> would have an enjoyable dessert. Uh, so it's just at that time. And there were literally the cupcake stores opening up across the street from other cupcakes. It was like when the frozen yogurt thing happened and it's everybody opened up. <laughs> right. <laughs> So uh, it was at that time and I was also like on a diet. So just get uh, like, uh, I like the double entendre of fuck cupcakes, fuck cupcakes because they are so good and I love them and I enjoy eating them. However, they are so bad for me. But most importantly at that time in 2013, fuck cupcakes because all these fucking stores with their goddamn <laughs> cupcakes and every birthday became, oh, we got cupcakes instead of a cake. Yeah. <sighs> There we go. <laughs> That's why I'm wearing this shirt. As you can see, stirring up feelings again, Steve. I like it. What well, are your it, thoughts it, on it, cupcakes? I, I haven't had a cupcake in a long time, but I like cupcakes. Nobody doesn't like cupcakes. That's but, very you know, true. I don't think I've ever ordered a cupcake, though, from a cupcake store, honestly. No. No, because they're like 12 bucks. To I've your like point. walked past them and I've seen them and I've taught people yeah. talk about them to mm -hmm. me. But like, you got to go to the cupcake store. You got to go to yeah. and like, what? There's a cupcake store? Is that yeah. a thing? Yeah. And now they're everywhere. There's a cookie store as well. And now bubble tea are all over the place over here. I don't know. If bubble, you have bubble tea. tea yeah. in the... Oh, you would probably I'm have like lots bubble of bubble tea. tea places in San Francisco, mm -hmm. I would imagine. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I remember that from a few years ago. And I, I was, oh, they were so good. I like those little tapioca pearls. That bloop. <laughs> get sucked oh, up so into the straw. good or you can get little <laughs> chunks of jelly it's oh. so sweet and decadent and yeah. they call it bubble tea so it sounds like it's like well it's tea that's healthy did you happen to see tiffany ferguson's latest video on water <laughs> no <laughs> so i you know i think tiffany single-handedly is keeping me up with kind of what's happening on tiktok without her i, I wouldn't know what because i don't really watch tiktok but so like there's this whole genre of tiktok video uh, and it's called like water talk or something t-o-k not talking oh water. but and it's people who make they call it waters they're making they're taking water and then they're they're making water beverages out of it like dropping skittles in them and and all of these flavorings in water predominantly southern u.s women doing this i don't know why i'm not casting judgments or anything but apparently that's where this is kind of like the hotbed of making waters but it's become this controversial thing of people like what how are you? it's not water you're making a separate beverage at this point it's not the same thing and but they they have like hundreds of these different flavorings and they're just they're making sugary sweet water drinks i don't know it's like kool-aid but i think also they're they're not they're they're no sugar, I think, is part of the thing. So it's they're they're saying it's like a, an alternative to to fattening high calorie beverages. But I, I don't know. It's just a weird thing. <laughs> I don't I don't know much about very much, but I do know as someone who fasts, um, yeah. I do know that whether something has sugar or whether something tastes like it has sugar, your body mm -hmm. reacts to it in the same way. Yeah. Um, so I, I find it funny that sometimes people will delude themselves thinking they, you know, oh, I'm, I'm just, I'm having a Coke Zero or I'm having, this is water. Yeah. And I think that's the point because even in her thumbnail, she's like, that's not water. And I think that's the point. You're, 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 
kind of pulling the benefits cool, eh? of water. The... You know what? I saw a commercial do this not too long ago because it was a product that was like something, something ridiculous, like a couple drops of aloe vera mixed with water. And they included the benefits of water in their marketing for whatever the drink was that they were doing. And I've seen people do that. And I think that's why it should be called out in this way because it's like, it's yeah. misleading to say that like, this is water because this is this is not water. So in typical Tiffany fashion, she manages to present kind of all sides of an issue really even handedly. And because my first thought was this is the most ridiculous thing ever. But then she started going into like, well, I do too. I think and she actually made a couple of these things and they looked horrible and she she didn't like it, but she was like she pointed out as she likes to do like the the socioeconomic tears associated with <laughs> water-based beverages yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and how like a lot of these are considered like well the poor people have these brightly colored ones with skittles and, and all this these different flavorings in them but they're doing the exact same thing on a higher end more expensive yeah. level but with more muted colors or it might be clear <laughs> so it's basically the same thing marketed to two different sets of people and it's frustrating because, <laughs> as she's pointing out, it's the marketing, which is like confusing the definition of things and misleading people because people apparently watch TikTok and believe. And are we done the TikTok thing? We're done the TikTok thing now, right? <laughs> I don't know. It's officially done, on. right? Uh I don't know. They're trying to like ban it in certain states, which is ridiculous. But Montana, apparently, it's like, well, good luck with that. <laughs> uh, more so, it's already like passe, isn't it? Like, I mean, I... well, no, I think kids still use TikTok all the time. We're just we're not in the demographic. I mean, look at Tiffany; she watches all the time, so she get her water-based content. But who decided that that demographic was the most important demographic that we needed to listen to? Like, what? Who is the actual? person who's like 13 to 17 year olds are the people who basically decide that that's what culture is and that's like the thing that china is china, it china decides it all okay i don't know so long as you get do you know that tiktok in china is totally different they don't even have it it's a different thing there because it's regulated you can only use it for like 30 minutes a day and you can only post certain types of yeah it's like positive like stuff. patriotic yeah yeah like, I, we actually we talked about that before, yeah helping we? out yeah. your community and stuff like that and then you get all the bad stuff over here oh but you know speaking about when she was talking about people you know, controversy over water drinks. I posted a video on this wooden doormat I made. And I had, uh, I, this is a video I made 12 years ago. I just remade it because it's a better video and I thought it would be fun to look at the old one and compare it with the new one. And it's funny how many people have to problematize things. And I remember this back at the, at the time when I made the first one, some people were questioning like how I made it and that sort of thing. But now they're like, what's the purpose of this? Why, why are you making this? How do you scrape your feet off? People are like, well, what good does that do you if you have a lot of mud on your feet? I'm like, I don't walk around in mud. Why would I do that? And why would I? Well, you know, if you place the slats the other way, you could scrape mud off of your feet. <laughs> But I think the biggest problem was people like saying, this isn't a doormat. And it's kind of like the same thing. This isn't water. But this isn't a doormat because a doormat is only one thing. It's for scraping crud off your feet before you walk in. I'm like, well, okay, then call it something else. But this is a thing I made. It's here. Whatever. <laughs> and then you just regretted <laughs> uploading the video. And you're like, why do I even continue to do this? 
You know, I got to tell you, when I upload a video, I still, 15 years later, in fact, I probably have more so now than I did 15 years ago, I have I always have a sense of anxiety when I push the publish button on it. I always have this, I don't know what it is. And then afterward, a lot of times I can't read comments right away. I've got to like distance myself from the video. I'm like, I can't deal with it right now. It feels like once I push publish, it's off of my shoulders and I've got to just kind of step back from it. How long, how long do you take to step back before you go and, and it start depends reading that? upon how, once I start, you know, maybe a few hours later, I'll start to look at some comments and usually they, they're all positive. Those first comments, cause those are usually by subscribers right away. And it, it just depends. Sometimes I, I get into it and I'm like, yeah, I should start responding. And I'm really, really talkative. And other times I'm just like ghosting everybody <laughs> on there. And I, I have no, it, it's, a, it's a psychological glitch of mine where I can't really, I don't know. It's a, it's like a micro trauma ah. <laughs> every, every time I post a video. <laughs> That's the point we've reached. You know what? I, I, I agree with you. There was a period of time where I stopped caring completely and like just would put something up and then just like move on to the next and not deliberately not, you know, pay attention or, or respond to comments or read. And I realized that, uh, the engagement of future videos started faltering. I find when you, obviously, when you yeah. engage more with the platform, I've started noticing this also on Instagram. Totally. If you go and like some other people, like legit, go and consume some other people's things, share some other stuff and whatnot, you obviously get locked into an algorithm where your videos can start doing better. Now that I've started doing that again, I do realize that I have to do it in like short chunks because it's easy to get wrapped up in it. But now I'll launch the video, stay for about 30 minutes, do the initial like, hey, thanks, mm -hmm. likes and some like little kind of whatever. Smart. Every time I've done that, I've come away feeling really good about myself. But there's still something about me that it doesn't allow me to do that every time. I don't know what it is. And then we also just released a video which got a whole bunch of negative, com not negative comments, but just those comments that you were talking about. We did a uh, an LG uh, kind of like tour of their showroom to show off some of the latest appliances that are coming out from LG. We have a long-term partnership with LG. And it's just, it's like a, it's like you put a soapbox out for everybody to stand on and give their opinion about what their favorite appliance manufacturer. And you, like you understand it. It's funny working with a company oh with like- Oh my God, like, it's like tools. You know exactly what I'm getting at, right? Oh. So as soon as you put it, it's like, and Melissa's like, hey, this is the new uh, LG something fridge. And if you knock on it, the mirror turns to a window and you can see in the fridge without opening the door. And the, and the comments just have, oh, I never trust LG because I had a d dishwasher <laughs> yeah. in 1957 and they didn't call yeah. me back when I had a... And these people are carrying this around with them and you it's realize... It's like Ford and, Ford and Chevy debate years ago. You know, people would always like pick one or the other and they it's like, hated the other. Is it because your identity is required to be affixed to something which has like camps so you can be categorized and you would never want to be categorized as the type of person who would buy an LG appliance and you are that bothered by the customer service that LG offered you that you are going to other 
unrelated videos years later to, you know, warn everyone of the trials of, let's face it, there was just as many people in there being like, my Samsung appliances suck. And then I moved to LG and I love LG. And there was a bunch of people who were like, yeah. my kitchen aids. But as it turns out, there's like five appliance manufacturers in this world. I'm sure some of them do some of the stuff good, some of the stuff bad, but like this weird this teams yeah. kind of thing of like, like oh you're an LG appliance user yeah I'm disappointed in you Melissa <laughs> uh, yeah I can't watch anything else you publish now I can't trust that anything. was you actually get those comments in yeah. in a nutshell that was probably like the most like forward one was the I'm disappointed because you're doing yeah. something with a multi billion dollar company which you believe mm -hmm. has you know whatever I customer service. You know, you see this in all spaces on YouTube, even on like channels. This is notoriously a problem on channels that review movies that people will leave the comment of like, what? You, you, like you this liked movie? this movie? Well, I can't, I, I can't trust you any longer. How can I, you've lost all credibility because you like something right. that I don't. Yes. It's crazy. It I don't really like crazy. Adam Sandler, so I don't like any of Adam Sandler's. <laughs> He's a great example because he literally has made yeah. some amazing movies. And I guarantee you there's a bunch of people, a bunch of people still out there that remember his early comedy movies or like the mm -hmm. one note Adam Sandler thing that They're everybody. They're stuck there. They're stuck They in are that so period. stuck there that they are missing. And it's, it's. You get locked in, yeah. like, it's strange. Yeah, five years ago, you bought a dishwasher. Sure, according to your comment, you had a whole lot of back and forth and they didn't reply and you ended up having to pay an extra this and you really left a sour taste in your mouth. But it's like, five years later, you're still holding on to this. Like, I don't know what that says yeah. about y'all. Well, see, so you see this with tools too. People who are like, what, you use Milwaukee? That's garbage. Or I get it because I, I my tools are like the cheapest you could buy, Ryobi tools. But they last, they work for me. It's a, you know, as a hobbyist, it's fine. They work fine. A tool is a motor that spins something. It's really no, no big deal. But oh my God, people get like so, I, I have had that comment so many times. They're like, oh, I can't, who can give this guy any credibility if he's in there using Ryobi tools? <laughs> You've lost all credibility. And, like, and, and maybe they had like one experience with one particular right. tool, you know, 10 years ago. But it's like, well, do you realize they manufacture a whole line of tools? And you, it may have just been that one specific one that you had problems with or didn't address. Not to mention that of all these tool brands, a lot of them are owned by the same company. It's kind of like Anheuser-Busch yeah. owns all the beer yeah. brands. Or the know. eyeglasses people. There's like one company which owns all of the eyeglass. <laughs> like so you can slap as many labels as you want. They're all from the yeah. same factory. And so it's sort of it's sort of good in a way when I guess for these the companies when they one brand generates some controversy and people say, well, I'm never buying that brand again. Bud Light. This is one of those Bud Light yes. things. People are like, I ain't buying Bud Light anymore. I'm going to start drinking uh, Sam Adams or whatever, which is owned by the same company. <laughs> so it, all it's doing is you're, you're shifting your, your dollars to the exact same company under a different brand. It's so silly. And dare I say the majority of the people who complain about it usually never use the product in the first place. Because I, yeah, exactly. I remember all the, when the NFL 
whatever they they were okay with one of the players kneeling or something like that during the anthem and they're like hey listen it's just it's a it's a thing that's going on and he wants to do the thing and at the very beginning i believe as far as i understand the story they were like yeah no uh, like whatever that's just that's the way it goes and then politically things change and that kind of began this the big thing (laughs) there was like the canceling of the nfl where it's like i refuse to watch and i guarantee you 85 percent of the people that were saying that were like never watched they didn't watch it anyway. It's like all the ignorant people that are like, I'm boycotting PBS. It's like you never ever watched anything on PBS ever. So Seriously. you're out here yeah. to wave a flag. You're out here to get attention because you're like in the group. And to your point about the Ryobi tools, I present that I'm sure at least half of the people that hate Ryobi tools are probably never held one in their hand or no. knows the reason why they don't. They just know that that's the Home Depot line and Home Depot is obviously a large company, so they must be bad. So therefore, all of the tools that they would carry are cheap. Mind you. Because they're, they're, they're low cost. Some yeah. of them are really good. Robert, Robert is used that, he's got that lawnmower. He's got the Ryobi mm-hmm. lawnmower that he, Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. It, it, they've just, they're confusing like, professional grade tools with homeowner tools and and my whole channel is is not for professional woodworkers it's for homeowners it's for hobbyists who are going to use a tool on weekends and occasionally and if that's the case why do you need to overspend there is no need you need to spend five hundred dollars on a sander or or in the case of like festool which is like the rolls royce of tools you could spend upwards of a thousand dollars on a sander that you can buy for $80. And that's the thing, Steve. It's a sander. So therefore, literally the motor is the... Ex- it's not like you can make the pieces out of like better quality. Like, And this is for the uh, conversation last week about the fashion industry and about how like, I guess if you were to stitch it with silk stitching and it would be hand stitched and da-da, like you can, there's so many nuances in a shirt that can constitute different prices but what your point is getting at is like it's a it's a machine which is doing a job it's cutting and ultimately i just think that there's something wrong with people becoming fanboys for corporate brands, brands. it's exactly what they want it's like you are basically exactly what they want you to be. They are manipulating you <laughs> into behaving this way. Yeah. There's books put out on it. We've all read those about the how to create tribes for your brand. Yeah. And what was the book that was? Oh, uh, was tri- the, tribal, the, tribal branding. Seth... Seth Godin? Godin? I think so. Yeah. I think Seth Godin wrote that. But yeah. And it, it just made the rounds. Everybody's like, here's how you do tribal branding. And you create it and you call your your the people who who buy your products. You give them a cute name, you know, and and so that they feel like they're part of it. And then they become loyal to your brand. And it's so manipulative. And then everybody does that. And then there's and no differentiating between that. And now it's so easy to do that you could probably teach an AI to do it. So therefore, now there's really... I think a a lot of all of this comes down to if people would think and start to make purchases more intentionally, you would alleviate a lot of this this problem. Think before you buy. Don't just be buying stuff just for the sake of buying stuff. Oh, there's a new tool. They say it's got to be a better one. I've got to get this tool or some influencer tells me that. Uh, hey, there's a flash deal on this tool. It's going to be 20% off. Don't fall for that crap. Yeah. <laughs> if you're, it, it's, it's the whole 
marketing of like coupons from even back in the day that people go out of their way because they get a 10 cent off coupon. You're not saving 10 cents, you're spending <laughs> money. But it's all uh, presented in a way or worded in a way where the value seems like it is on you. So, of course. And when you're filled with the societal pressure of like, yes, of course, you probably look a lot richer, again, to the point of last week's video. If you look a lot richer, if you walk around with a Louis Vuitton bag, um, does it really matter how you get it or if it's real or if it's whatever? And that's, I guess, the larger part of this and one of the scary things that you sent me was that video about um ai and the future of ai oh yeah and that was probably the best video i've seen on the topic it, she, she really encapsulates everything where we are currently with ai and what the near future looks like i have never seen her videos before so could oh, you they're perhaps, really good could you perhaps just fill people in on who you're talking about and what this uh, video is? I, Blanking on her name right now, Sabine Hassenfelder. Hassenfelder, yeah, she's um, an unlikely YouTuber. She's a, and she's probably in her forties, maybe mm. older YouTuber, delivering science information. I think she's a physicist or has some sort of a background in in science, and she just uh, delivers science topics that are really well thought out. She's got a real dry sense of humor that comes out every so often that always always cracks me up but wow the information she she dishes out is concise and legit and she released a video four days ago which uh now has over two hundred fifty thousand views and it's called artificial intelligence what's next it's a 25 minute long video anybody looking for a really really interesting introduction i i there was a bunch of stuff i didn't know about yeah there was some of it made me hopeful for ai some of it is still scary and we don't know what how it can be abused but she she did a good job of explaining how some of this ai stuff will help us and she actually points out that uh because ai right now is so bad at script writing she couldn't write the video uh, through <laughs> AI. There is still that, uh, <laughs> uh -huh. but it does uh, it does start to raise uh, a question of evergreen videos and how to videos and how long of a lifespan is actually available for content which can be so now easily kind of like replicated and like right uh, and whatnot. So as far as like. Um, from a creative and artistic standpoint, there's there's all of that. And then there's just the, when they started getting into the personal AI, the personal Jesus yeah. stuff. So that's kind of, I think this is the, where we're headed with AI is not just AI for everybody, like ChatGPT responds to you in kind of a very generic way, but a personal AI, and I'm sure that's what it's being called or what it will be called is an AI that is specific to you. So it learns your patterns. It learns what kinds of things you like. And so you can have a conversation of like, well, which, what should I have for dinner tonight? And the AI might suggest, well, you know, it's been a, a while since, uh, since you ate some salmon, how does that sound? I can give you a recipe for it. And then you can say, yeah, I'm not in the mood for that. Okay, well, and have this kind of a conversation. And that's a very surface level. Obviously it can go much deeper than that. And I think we're also seeing some of this personal AI is gonna be starting to crop up more in like personal friends. 
which you have like basically dating an AI. <laughs> and so this person responds to you as if it's an actual person. And she, she brought up there was some sort of app that was doing this and it developed some controversy and the app stripped away the, uh, or the makers of it stripped away this like uh, rated R stuff or even X rated stuff that the, 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 right. the AI was doing. And a lot of the users were like just devastated. They were like, you can't do this. This was like because they had become so attached to this person who seems like a real person to them. And so these are all kind of problems that are going to need to be addressed. And it's interesting because we started this conversation kind of the first half talking about mostly like manipulation and marketing and just how there's this strange perception of how things are usually just for the sake of making money or, or selling something or whatnot. And it's scary to think that we are or there's at least a component of people who are comfortable with the thought of allowing more of those personal I don't I don't know what that is like this personal advocacy or something that yeah. one of the things that she said was like it'll get so good and we know now because when uh, we text each other oh yeah it'll respond to you right and I get it because th as soon as I started seeing the common responses pop up so when instead you see, of when, when I reply to I kind of see where it's and going then the little... <laughs> and then you see how like okay if my phone had a little AI in it and just learned how I worded things and just got to know me after the course of the year. This thing's probably going to be incredibly accurate at being able to just respond to my text messages. Just mimic you. Put it in a calendar item for me. And so like, I, I guess I see there's in great value with that and teaching people who are socially awkward how to interact with someone, put them in front of a bot and they can whatever. But when do we get to the point where people will choose that because it's obviously the most best everything you can just have exactly what you want and a partner but that takes you away from real life i, I don't know that sounds pretty lame i but know like, and, and does do at that point will real relationships even matter if, if an ai simulation is perfect <laughs> So I, I just saw this movie, Chad, and you have got to see this movie. You love science fiction. Don't? And I this do. is like hard, hard science fiction. This isn't like sci-fi stuff. This is like the kind of science fiction that is so thought provoking. But it's this uh, new movie that came out and it's already on like my favorite film of the year. I can't. Uh, it'll probably be in my top five, if not the best film. It's called Artifice Girl. It's uh I don't want to say too much about it because part of the fun of the movie is just seeing how it un unfolds unexpectedly. But it's basically told in three acts and it involves AI and it's the director and the writer. It, he also is the main actor in the movie. It's first time he's ever acted in a movie. First time he's ever made wow. a movie written. It's it's amazing. But uh, check it out. I think that that is probably the best representation in movies of kind of where we can expect AI to go. Artifice girl. It okay, I saw you shared that on Instagram or something. I did. Instagram yeah. was that yeah. Um I get I get why and it's kind of even ominous because Sabine had such a wonderful professional presentation and there's a lot of trust which I already formed with her, it seems, in the one video that I've watched. And when she was like 
but there's it's still very worrisome it was just mm-hmm. the way that she said that that really made me think of how upset i am at ai art and how yeah. upset i am that people can uh, they, they brought up an example of being able to write a, an illustrated children's book over the course of a couple of hours or a weekend when it would normally take X amount. Yeah. But using, and it's probably good enough for most it kids. It totally would be because it's being inspired by other people's art. And that's that's the rub, Steve. That's the that's rub. The, problem the with thing the that art. was special about art was that there was a process involved which involved human intervention, but and especially I've talked about this before, like with painting or with making music, like it should be a selfish creative outline, which encapsulates a thought loss. Oh, I lost a thing. I'm going to write a song about it. And that's whatever you getting the style of a song in this kind of whatever, because it's been influenced by a whole bunch of groups of previously written songs. That is not artificial intelligence. That's just taking other people's creativity and figuring out a way to blur those lines exactly i guess the question is the what if that song is just as meaningful to people listening to it does does it real do the people listening to it care the problem is we're we're changing the definition of care like we're at the point where it's like do you care about the tiktoks that you're consuming endlessly or do most people who consume the tiktoks actually fucking hate that they are so drawn to this my concern is we are if we're that easy easily manipulated with social media and we have control we have control you actively open that app and now we're getting to the point where they're slowly eroding your ability to need to do something and we're assuming Mm -hmm. that we are predictable enough as people oh man this is deep (laughs) but this like we are predictable enough as people that a computer or an artificial mind would be able to talk to us long enough and know exactly what i what we want i find that incredibly disingenuous because it just takes my whole Mm -hmm. like you can you only know me for a certain amount of time. Like my existence is based upon since age zero to age 46. So understanding that you think, you know, Chad, because of the way that I speak or whatever, or because like, you know what I mean? Like you can kind of just Mm -hmm. analyze a few of these things and people more so are quick to be like, so long as it's easier, that's fine. I'm not worried about the details and that's fine. And that's what I'm worried about. I'm worried about the people who are like, I'd much rather be able to create a custom storybook for my kid in a weekend that he'll just read and it doesn't matter anyways, versus someone who spends a year writing their kid's book because it was their goal to write a kid's yeah. book. It's a, it's the, the, the intention is almost different. Yeah, we use that word a couple of times. She also mentioned a couple of things that were promising and I can see I I guess first it's important to know that when you say artificial intelligence and that a machine is learning and it is intelligence that she even pointed out that I don't know if they are now but pretty soon they, they will be more intelligent than us I think probably a lot of machines are more intelligent than us just by the 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 way that they can assimilate information right. so quickly and so fast and, and come up with solutions to problems and, and all of these things. And that's where that intelligence is going to be separated from creativity because a, 
a machine, I don't think, has the real ability to be creative in the sense that humans do. And I think that's always going to be our advantage if, if we're looking at a competition between us kind of a thing. But at the same time, when she was talking about benefits of AI, yes, and there, there's also, it's important to know that there are hundreds of different types of AI. AI is kind of an all-encompassing term that uh, tech companies are using and incorporating into different products. But she mentioned, for instance, like research. And this yeah. is kind of exciting that, you know, now if you want to research a lot of, say, scientific papers, there could be thousands of them going back 100 years. You know, you're trying to do research on something. And at best, maybe you can do some keyword searches and these kind of things. It's, it's kind of like Google. It's hard mm -hmm. to search in that way. But if you can have a natural language search with AI, AI has the capability of searching through all of this material, not just for keywords, but for context and can all understand it and make those connections from, oh, there was a paper published in 1923 that is also strangely similar to something that I found in 1948. Right. And bring these connections together is something that humans really can't do. And I, I think that this is exciting about AI. Or if you were to have like a team of a thousand people sitting in libraries poring over all of these books, and then when you get to a point going to the footnotes and following up the reference, and to her point, she mentions this, it's so exciting to think about the amazing advancements in medicine, the legal field or science and research and nature and all of the rest simply by taking all the information that we have and kind of feeding it into a machine. I remember when Google kind of first started up like 15 years ago with like, we're going to scan every book in the library yeah. and then we're going to have a digital. And I remember my mind just exploding. And now it seems to be obviously a much bigger, uh, you know, evolution and innovation and whatnot. But you're right. There's there are a lot of really positive stuff. They brought up the companion bot, and I think of my mom mm -hmm. who lives in a retirement facility by herself and uses Alexa just sometimes to play games or to like whatever. And uh, you know, to think that an AI could literally get to know my mom, ask her engaging question, and she could have a companion, someone to run information by, someone to like get information from that wasn't like the computer, even though it is a computer, but like it has so much more, you know, uh, bedside manner as it was associated with that. I know my mom would probably love something like that. And and lastly, the rewind AI. I like the thought because this has happened a lot, especially because we consume so many different types of content having something that just records all of the stuff that you've seen so therefore if you go back and be like ah, can i see that funny video where the cat gets right. hit by the tennis racket and as opposed to being like oh was that on reddit what subreddit was that in oh i do some weird google search for whatever and try to whatever it would be able to be like oh yeah i know what you mean this is what you're looking for and then pull it up instantly i mean you're already there because you use you've been using ai for search for a while now yeah, but I think it's exciting because AI will probably at some point will start to not only be rewind for videos and, and things that we've watched, but basically our entire lives can be put on rewind. And so it'll have a way of uh, recording what we're doing every day in, in sort of an unobtrusive way. I'm not even sure what that 
will look like yet. But I think we, we tend to think in terms of video and photographs when we're thinking about the past or even things that we've written down. And I think AI can introduce an entire new way to where we could, would be able to say, what was I doing on you know this yeah. particular day yeah. you know seven years ago or something? You and went you to lunch say, with oh, this here, person. Here's yeah. what you did. Here's and you can look back and like, oh my God, I can't believe I, I it can remember the sandwich I had at yeah. that lunch yeah. that day yeah. or something. Here's the searches. I'm not sure yeah. how that's all going to play out, but that's, this is all stuff that is, will be happening. And it's just going to be a matter of how we incorporate in that into our lives. And I think probably the biggest topic with AI in general is what does this mean for jobs? Because if we have all of this fancy technology, but everybody's out of work, who's going to buy it and who can afford it, you know? Uh, and uh, I mean, scams are the the big thing. Like as soon as you can start well, yeah. making people's voice, then again, another point brought up in this video, as soon as you can start, you know, impersonating grandma, how easy is it going <sighs> to be to call up and put a voice alterer on and... You and you don't even need to do it because an AI will she do it. She thinks it's and, her grandson. She right. thinks it's her grandson calling. Right. Hey, Grandma, can you send me some money? I'm yeah. really and yeah. people are going to have to be more savvy. They're going to have to uh, be aware of this. There's already websites springing up, lots of them, and you know this is going to be just exponentially larger within the next year of websites that are completely AI generated. Yeah, right. So I want to. Let's so website and graphic design seem to be one of the places that those web that those jobs can be easily kind of replaced. Yeah. As a person who from the very beginning understands the work and the, the thought behind it. Ah, is it fine that it's just <laughs> that's a weird way to word it, isn't it? Uh does it concern you, Steve, as someone who used to be able to understand the discipline of doing stuff like this, that it can just be done without any appreciation for the time it takes to do something? Yeah, I don't know. I have mixed feelings about that because when I was doing graphic design, honestly, a lot of it was just boring grunt work. It was crap. I didn't, it wasn't any kind of art that I wasn't creating great art. It was like, well, this is what a client wants. They want something that's going to appear on like a, a trade show exhibit or something for three days. They don't need anything really fancy. And I mean, it just makes sense. If an AI can do that, why do you need to hire a guy? Is that the evolution? Is the evolution leaving the context and the understanding of what some jobs need? I'm, I think of the people who went through school, like college and university and had to pay for it, who now look at p kids who can go to school for free and being like, it just doesn't feel right. And that's why it doesn't feel yeah. right to be an artistic or a creative person who paints or writes or cr like has created websites or understands the thought behind a logo. And I get that you could probably teach something to do that very quickly, but then what is the commodity then what is the value associated with it because it, right now we're uh, right now we're in a place where education now can be free for everyone it's great right because ai will make that happen it already has made that happen anybody can now have access to the information whether you have bought it or whatever and so now you can get that education and it's available and you can learn you can have ai teachers and all of the rest but 
But what how, are they going to be teaching? How because does, do you really right. need to know any of that stuff if the AI can answer it? And how like, are you even supposed to compel someone to get into a creative space like painting or photography or music writing when it's just like, hey, you know, ultimately at the end of the day, this machine has just measured 128 million different notes in all different combinations. It registered trademarks for everything, uh, whatever. So everything is 100% copyrighted. Nothing can sound like whatever. So it just takes away any of the actual process. You just eliminate process. I think that the art created by humans will never die because that's been since cavemen were writing on, on walls. It's just something that is inherent to our species. It's something we need to do. Um, and I think that that can exist. AI will also create art. I kind of think that there's going to be a difference there in some way that we may not even understand right now, that human art is going to be differentiated and valued at a different level. And somehow mm. that's going to play out. And I, I think that a lot of times we also learn, we spend a lot of money to learn something that becomes archaic. I think of myself, I went to school, I got a degree in commercial photography, but I learned how to do black and white film shooting and processing film and printing and all of that just died like a few years after I graduated from college but it transferred over to digital and so everything I was trained for was obsolete but using that as sort of a ground floor I was able to transition a little bit easier into understanding digital photography and then leading into graphic design. So I, I think that there's possibilities for whatever AI ends up doing for us might leave doors open for us to do other things. But that's a, it's a very optimistic look at well, it. Well, yes, guess. and more important things, more substantial things. But then that goes... But it has to pay money. That's the problem, is that if AI is doing everything for us, and, you know, the dream of, of, of automation is that we will all have so much time, we'll have all this leisure time. It's, it's been like this since the Industrial Revolution. We'll have leisure time to do whatever we want. But what exactly are you going to do if you're not earning an income? Why would you need Arne and Carlos to knit you something if an AI can do exactly what they do? If at the end of the day, the gloves that you put on were 50% cheaper because they were mass produced by some exact same material, exact same, exactly the way that they would do it, but it wasn't done by them. It was done by someone or something intimidating or <laughs> intimidating, <laughs> uh, imitating them. Yeah. Like, does well, will we just get to the point where and I'm not trying to be old man like waving my fist but do we just get to the point where the stuff that we consider important now like having a profession and a expertise at something 10,000 hours of fully understanding every single aspect of something gets replaced by so long as we can do it more efficiently the context of getting to that point doesn't matter my earlier point of a kid being able to have access to all of those expensive textbooks all of the information that's being taught versus uh, that who can read it and over the course of one year of dedicated you know effort get a college degree versus someone who goes to college 
drinks some nights, passes out, has like the experience of like the human experience of going through and learning to do something to learn how something has value. Yeah. We're just getting to the value part. We're just getting to the point where people are now going to be like, I want to fire uh, in that video. I want to fire up a website, which is a social media I want to start up my own social right. media platform. And we are within a year away from an AI being able to give you a fully functioning social media platform. And the only thing you need to do is, you know, go and market it. Good luck with that. But does that give you an actual insight into what it takes to build and run and operate a, a, a social media platform? Or is it the people who go through and struggle and da 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 and figure it out all themselves? So therefore, they have the perspective of the work that was done to get the result. There's a part of me that thinks, why do you need to learn about something at all if a, if a machine can do it? And, and it, it's similar to like, why do I need to learn how to add and subtract on a pencil and paper when we had a calculator? Why do I need 70s, to learn how to write when I can just text? Right. In the 70s, calculators were a big issue in, in schools. It's like, well, you can't have those. You have to. And then eventually they're like, well, yeah, I guess everybody's going to be using these. You might as well. Is there value in, I mean, I, there's going to be value in understanding how certain things work, I guess. But even then, I'm not even sure if there's that much value in that. I don't need to understand how most things work to be able to use them. The, and if I can design a website just by describing what I want to do, uh, hell yeah, I don't want to have to fuck around with HTML and all the code that is, is required to do that. And I don't want to even have to hire somebody. This would be so much easier for me. So I don't know. But does it lose, but does it lose the context? Like I know how to I have reached the point in my life where I love mowing the lawn because I've done my lawn enough to really get it efficient. And it's taken time and I've learned and as time has gone on, I've planted some different things and I've like needed to, you know, alter the way that I mow and I get better and I'm learning about all of the different things. That can only happen by my interest in actually saying this is something that I need to be involved in, as in this is something that will happen and have a result by me actually doing it versus me just being able to like, hey, AI, uh, go take a look, uh, you know, fly a drone over my or take a Google Maps image of my thing, yeah. figure out the most optimal, run it through every single conceivable whatever, and then get a little robot vac. Like, yeah, the mower. The I don't mows, know yeah. about mowing my lawn. I know how to make something mow my lawn, but, but do I don't you need understand. To know? Do you need to? Is, and, I guess that's sort of so. The then, what's the purpose of anything? And that's, I guess, what we're getting. Like, <laughs> how am I deep. supposed to actually have value associated with these things? And I guess it's most threatening for me in the artistic sense. It always felt something very I think that's special. Where it is. To to me too, it's the art side of AI that bothers me probably the most. And maybe it's because that's what I understand the best. I don't understand coding and that. So to me, if I could have a machine to replace me having to write C++ code or something, is irrelevant because I don't code, I don't know anything about it. And it's like, well, yeah, I guess, sure, why not? And I'm sure to people who are coders and have spent years working on their craft of coding, they're like, an AI will never be able to reproduce my personal touch on this program. Maybe I'm wrong with that, but I kind of think maybe that's what we're we're looking at an ai would never be able to reproduce this podcast because this podcast only happened in the trajectory and the storyline that had happened because we took the past three years to do it 
and a couple of false starts and a couple of like whatever it was. This particular I, episode wouldn't have happened because right. of, just so, the, of the nature of how it flows. And that's the nuance. You could create this. You could create a podcast called Chad and Steve Have a Podcast, literally create two artificial characters who have literally all of our history up to that point. But that's exactly where it ends. The moment the AI takes over and it's like, oh, this is what would happen. That is not real life. And there's this weird thought of like, because this would happen if I do this, that like somehow time is different. And I guess that's what it is. We're going to run into the obstacle of like, well, it used to take 10 years to become a lawyer. Now you can do it in a weekend and you just use your, your AI. Uh, mm -hmm. oh, we're going we're going way too deep for an hour and 10 minutes into this podcast <laughs> yeah but see you, if, if ai had done this episode you would have had to have told it some parameters at least now you would have had to say okay here are the topics i want you to cover and it would have gone that whole gamut from whatever in the hell we started talking about at the very beginning of this episode to where it is now and that free flow of conversation is what we're doing right and we only got to one place because we were led by another and when you can just start something up without any of the context or the history or the pedigree hey i wouldn't just randomly say fuck cupcakes no it's very true <laughs> probably wouldn't have ever included anything about my fuck cupcakes <laughs> but you know all right what? chad let's let's leave it off there what do you say i think that's a very good idea thanks for listening everyone